0: I've listened to Damn by Kendrick Lamar for years. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. everybody, welcome back to Spin It, the record-ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, and with me is Connor. It's me. I am with you. Yes, you are. And this week, we're going back to rap. We haven't touched rap in a minute. We... When was the last time we did anything rap?
1: Oh, we had the best rap, uh, uh, Rhapsody in Blue, back (laughs) on our singles episode.
0: Well, but that was singles episode 45. That was a long time ago. It's true. We did, though. We did talk about The Carter Three and Lil Wayne Mm, in episode 57. So this week, we're going to Kendrick Lamar, who personally is one of my favorites. We'll see if that's the case for you, but we won't know for a while yet. I debated, I debated a lot which Kendrick album to go with, and I even made you pick indirectly by telling you some features of each of the albums
1: i don't remember
0: that i messaged you a while back and gave you a choice and said we can go with an album that's you know a little less on the music side but really really like heavy on the lyrics we could go with an album that's really really heavy on the music side and a little lighter on the lyrics or we could kind of go with an album that's a blend of both because i really wasn't sure what did i pick you picked the blend of both, I think. Uh, Maybe it leans a little heavier on the music side. I don't know. But whatever you picked, we ended up with Damn as our Kendrick Lamar album. And I'm happy with that. It's kind of the one I wanted you to pick. I see. Yeah. Do you know much about Kendrick? Can't say that I do. If you said anything else, I would have been surprised. I could tell you a little bit about him. His birth name is Kendrick Lamar Duckworth. And of course, professionally, he's just Kendrick Lamar. He was born in 1987 in Compton, California, and his mother actually named him after the Temptations singer Eddie Kendricks. So, he's been tied to music from a very early age. The early age of zero.
1: Yeah, that's the earliest stage there is, yeah.
0: He was a quiet kid. He was a bit of a loner for the first couple years of school. Straight A student. Doing great. While he was in school, much like we had with Lil Wayne, he started picking up on rap music. He was really inspired by Tupac, Dr. Dre, and all kinds of other artists in music videos and on the radio. And in 2003, just at age 16, he decided to try his hand at making music for himself. Some of his other big rap influences at this time included Jay-Z, Eazy E, Nas DMX, Eminem, and Snoop Dogg, who Kind of has made an appearance on this podcast, but I don't think on anything we've released. No. We talked about him a little bit in some deleted scenes from our very first episode, but I don't think he's been mentioned since then.
1: Is that really our very first episode?
0: Yeah, I think it was from Billy Joel. Wow. Uh, it was, there was a fact or spin about it. The stranger was sampled on Snoop Dogg's album is was the fact was
1: right
0: and and it was actually yes
1: and that led we to just cut that
0: fact that was a wild fact now that i'm thinking about it yeah
1: it was wild it was back when i'd come with like seven or eight of them
0: <laughs> <laughs> now i'm lucky if i get you to come with four <laughs>
1: I always have four. Sometimes I just don't come with them.
0: Well, it's true. Sometimes you just make them up on the <laughs> spot. Well, Kendrick took all those influences, incorporated them into his music, and he put out his first mixtape under the name K-Dot on a label called Concrete Jungle Music. Concrete spelled with two Ks and music spelled with a Z and a K. And he started to build a local following in Compton and around the area It's actually what led him to being signed with Top Dog Entertainment, where he stayed until 2022. His first mixtape with Top Dog was called Training Day, and it dropped in 2005. And that's the one that started helping him kickstart, like, beyond the bounds of Los Angeles. Started kind of going for a wider audience. Still going by K-Dot, he toured with The Game, Ya Boy, J-Rock, and more. Until right around this time, he got the nod from Lil Wayne, whose album, The Carter Three, as we've mentioned a couple times, was a huge inspiration for Kendrick. He kind of based some of his work for a C4 project around The Carter Three. Mm. Yeah. It was right around this time he dropped the K-Dot pseudonym and adopted Kendrick Lamar as his performance name. He put out another self-titled EP, four more mixtapes, and then he joined the rap supergroup Black Hippie alongside J-Rock, Absol, and Schoolboy Q. His first studio album, Section 80, came out in 2011, and it was a hit. It sold 5,300 digital copies in its first week with literally no TV, no radio promotion. It took off just on its own merit. And it led Snoop Dogg and company to call Lamar, quote, the new king of the West Coast, which is a a pretty heavy label to get after your first studio album. Yeah. But I think it just shows that Kendrick was kind of set apart from even early on in his career. He signed with Interscope Records in 2012 and set to work on putting out his major label debut, Good Kid, Mad City, which introduced popular hits like Swimming Pools, Drank, uh, Blank, Don't Kill My Vibe, (laughs) and Money Trees. And he worked really closely with J. Cole during this time as well, which I didn't know. He toured with Kanye West. He featured on Eminem's eighth studio album, and he started picking up some pretty serious awards that we'll get into in a minute. Good Kid, Mad City is a heck of a record, but it still pales in comparison to his sophomore major label album. In 2015, he put out one of his most important and influential projects, To Pimp a Butterfly. When that came out, it set a first-day streaming record on Spotify, and it sold 324,000 copies in the first week. I mean, that's a far cry from the 5,300 he had with his first album back in 2011. And that's just four years later. In four years, I mean, he's experienced this exponential growth. And after Topimpa Butterfly dropped, Pitchfork called him the greatest rapper of his generation, which brings us kind of to our focal point for today, his third studio album, Damn. Obviously, it comes at a really interesting point where his whole career, is making a lot of waves. He's kind of considered one of the best rappers around. To Pimp a Butterfly was a massive success, and that's a high bar and a lot of pressure that was resting on this album. Damn came out on April 14th, 2017, and it topped the Billboard Hot 100, which makes it Kendrick's third record to get there. And then singles like Humble were very quick to chart, and Humble was actually his first number one single as the lead artist on a song. It sold 603,000 album equivalent units in the first week somehow still on the rise it placed second in eight other countries worldwide and today it's triple platinum in the united states it's got a metacritic score rating of 95 rolling stone called it a blend of, quote, the old school and the next level. And subsequently, they ranked it number 175 on their 2020 edition of the 500 greatest albums of all time. Billboard named it the year-end number one album in the whole year of 2017. So in short, I think it's kind of safe to say that Damn actually raised the already lofty bar on Kendrick. I've got some fun facts about the album, if you're interested. Yeah, I am interested. I love me a good fun fact. Okay, well, here you go. Uh, Damn actually had a different working title. It was almost called What Happens on Earth Stays on Earth, which I love, but he didn't think that title read right, which I kind of agree with. It's a little clunky. I think I agree. It's not even that it's clunky. It just doesn't fit. Like, I really like the idea
1: of it. It just doesn't fit this album. I don't think. You don't think? No.
0: Oh, It happens in so many of these songs.
1: Yeah, I know, but the vibe of the... I mean, look at all the titles
0: are all one word. No, you're right. That actually is a good point.
1: Like, it's a very long title for an album of one word songs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a one word title fits the vibe better.
0: No, it definitely... You're right about that. And that's a note I made later on about all these one word titles. I kind of like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took more than 11 producers to make this album for 14 tracks. And it features artists like you 2 a top dog artist Zachary and even Rihanna some songs have as many as 14 writers listed too the album has been described as conscious hip-hop and it infuses a lot of elements of trap R&B pop and more into this rap foundation it was the first non-jazz or classical album to win a Pulitzer Prize for music and it was 2018's best rap album Grammy winner, and it was also nominated for album of the year in all genres, but it lost out to Bruno Mars's "24 Karat Magic." Damn also won a BET award, an American Music Award, a Danish Music Award, a Phonogram Award, an iHeartRadio Music Award, and a Juno Award, all for being the album of the year. Very widely recognized <laughs> as one of 2017's best, and since the album's release. Kendrick Lamar has helped produce and curate the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Black Panther movie soundtrack, uh, but otherwise, he kind of remained largely out of the spotlight for a couple years. Did he, do you know if he did the second one? I think I've seen in the previews, at least. I haven't watched the movie yet, but in the trailers and stuff, I've heard Kendrick. Yeah. Mm. He took that time off to work on what would be his last album for Top Dog Entertainment and his most recent release to date, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. It just came out earlier this year, and you actually, of course, might remember his recent Super Bowl performance with Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, and Mary J. Blige. That happened in February. He's ended his break, and he's coming back into the limelight. And as far as career spanning accolades go, it's a long list. I've kind of condensed it, but it's a long list. He's earned 14 Grammys, and in 2016, he became the rapper to have the most nominations in a single year with 11. Wow. Yeah, including non-rappers. He's second overall, behind Michael Jackson and Babyface, and he's earned the California State Senate. Its generational icon award and earned the key to the city in his hometown of compton let's hope he doesn't lose it (laughs) and in 2016 time magazine named him one of the 100 most influential people he's got six billboard awards seven bet awards and actually he has more bet hip-hop awards than any other artist with 25 and again i mean he's just earned such high praise from so many critics and people He's been called a master of storytelling. His lyrics have been described as Shakespearean. I think he's certainly one of the most storied and kind of celebrated rappers around today. And I'm curious to know four interesting other things about him, potentially, as we get into factor Spin. Is that the cue? That's the cue. I know the mixtaper gets a little antsy on these episodes with rappers who release a lot of mixtapes. I feel like he wants to jump the gun a lot, but this is the this is the signal. I'm putting up the mixtaper signal in the sky. <laughs> it's like the bad signal, but it summons someone evil. What's it look like? It's only visible to evil people, so I can't see it.
1: Oh, interesting yeah
0: that is certainly not just a cop-out for me having to go along with this and improv on the fly fair enough let's uh i guess get him on out here give him a call hey it's me the mixtaper thanks for sending up the signal you're welcome it occurs to me that you know in 72 episodes that's the first time we've even done it yeah i know i bought it all the way back on episode six i can't believe it took you this long to use it well there's a first time for everything so to recap, last week, boy, I I did okay. We did 50-50 last week yet again. We talked about John Mayer on the skunk train as the pickle king, what, the watch-wearing pickle king, right? So I'm yeah, curious to yeah. see how this week takes us.
1: Let's start with... I just
0: really don't know where to begin. Um, Let's start with a familiar one. Uh, don't tell me that Kendrick Lamar owns ghost detecting equipment because we just did this. <laughs> uh no. Okay, good. So this one's familiar then. Is it a repeat of something we've seen before or is it What's the other fact that we haven't touched in
1: a while? Is it the plain hat? It's not. I just wanted to remind you that it existed. Oh. <laughs> We've talked about uh, some artists getting prank called in the past. We sure have. Or just in general pranks with some of our artists. Yeah. And in this one, it's that Kendrick Lamar got prank called by Dr. Dre. Or so he thought.
0: It kind of reminds me of when they called Van Halen up about the solo on Beat It. And he was like, oh, this is a prank call. And he hung up on Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay.
0: So... Kendrick and Dre, obviously, I mean, they have a relationship. They've worked together. Yep. yep. So what's this prank call? Or, or not prank call Again, he got prank called or so he thought yeah so he got legitimately called yeah what was what was the actual call
1: well you mentioned Dr Dre in your little rundown right and how I did, he was yeah. a big
0: inspiration
1: for Kendrick-hmm and uh he got to work with Dr Dre at, at least once this was back when Kendrick was on tour with J rock actually okay
0: way way back in the day yeah,
1: way way back
0: you know this is like his first call like this is his first interaction with Dr. Dre. that would make sense i mean that's not something you would think just happens yeah so
1: basically what happened his studio engineer was the one that got contacted by one of dr dre's people whatever but dr dre would only speak to kendrick himself about about what he had going on sure his studio engineer calls him up and says hey dr dre is looking to get a hold of you and
0: kendrick didn't believe it was real Oh, that makes sense, especially if it comes through a third party like that. Mm, yeah, that would be a very suspicious thing to be told. I can't tell you how many times Dr. Dre's called this podcast. I know, right? It's, he really wants on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, but the reason he really, I mean, he probably would have been skeptical regardless, right? But Naturally. There was, a, there was a bit of a reason why he was so skeptical. Why is that? Because just a few weeks before, he had been pranked by one
0: of his staff. About a Dr. Dre call. Oh, no. (laughs) The boy who cried wolf. Uh Uh-huh. So, what was the first call about? The not real call? Did they... I mean, was it the same exact thing that Dre actually called him up and, and asked about? <laughs>
1: no, it was uh,
0: one one of his stagehands on tour
1: uh, said that uh, Dr. Dre had been trying to get and talk to him. You know, he had a phone. It was like, here, he's on the line. And when Kendrick answered the phone, uh, obviously, they were like, gotcha, no, Dr. Dre, blah, 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 blah. Like, it, was, it, it had been, become a bit of a running I mean, joke before. <laughs> between him and his in his body what is doctor what Gray a thing. lame
0: what a lame joke <laughs> I
1: I, get, I don't have all the details on it. He just yeah. mentioned that, that that this was the situation. He didn't really go into detail about the first fake call. But anyway, he thought that his sound engineer was you know continuing the bit and mm-hmm. didn't believe him at first. And the sound engineer was like, no, really, it's it's Dr. Dre. He wants to he wants to work
0: with you. <laughs> <laughs> like you need to pick up the phone. And then at that point, that's kind of a way that I feel in fact or spin a lot. Where well, if I say yes and I take this phone call, if I say fact and I accept this as fact, then I look stupid if it's fake. <laughs> (laughs) You know, it's the same situation. I think this is a fact. I can't believe this. I think it's easy to fall for the first prank phone call. And then it's even easier to accept that the real phone call is a fake. Like if Dr. Dre did call up this podcast right now, if he called you and you said, hey, I'm about to put him (laughs) on, I legitimately would not believe (laughs) it.
1: Well, to be be fair...
0: Obviously, I have much less of a reason to believe you than Kendrick did, but still, I'm saying that this one is a fact.
1: Remember when you said that if you would say fact about something and you were wrong, it makes you look stupid?
0: Yeah, and that's not what happened this time, because I'm right. I
1: wish I could say those words to
0: you. Well, you can't, because I said them in the first person. You'll have to say... And you are right. You'd have to mix it up a little
1: bit. Well, I can't say that either because this is a
0: spin. <laughs> I really tried. I really, really tried. Did. Well, darn. I
1: did you a little dirty. Everything was true except the first fake prank call. Like he really did get called up by Dr. Dre and not believe that he got contacted. Oh. But it had nothing to do with any recurring bitter fake phone call
0: shenanigans. Mm, that was sneaky and I didn't like it. Yeah. Did you add that on the fly after it seemed like I believed you?
1: No, no, I had that the whole time. Okay. In my notes that way. Would... Well, that
0: makes me feel a little better. Small victories, right? I mean, it's the same size as any one of your round victories.
1: <laughs> I don't think it is, but okay.
0: Well, this next one I can
1: only describe as 60% soft, 40% crunchy.
0: This is giving me <laughs> chance stick vibes. You're giving me chance stick vibes. <laughs>
1: And that's the name of this fact. 60% soft, 40% crunchy.
0: Okay, yeah. What, what does that mean?
1: Well, okay. I don't know how much you know about Kendrick Lamar. Definitely more than Connor. Well, that's true. Probably not more than me. Probably not at this point. I don't even know what this could begin to describe. Well, he's got a whole thing about cereal. I don't know if you know that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Okay. He's not our first person with things about cereal. But carry on. Is 60% soft, 40% crunchy how he likes to eat his cereal?
1: Oh, it absolutely is, but we'll get more into that in a moment. Okay. First, a little background, a little a little sprinkle of background. Are you aware of this rant he went on about cereal?
0: No, probably not.
1: Yeah, he went on a bit of a rant saying, don't talk to me about no raisin bran dog. Wheaties, stop it. You pick that up in the aisle when you're walking with me and I'm liable to punch you in the face. Went on this whole rant about cereal and the different kinds of... Uh, sugary cereal that he eats and he likes and the things that suck okay bonus point if you can guess his favorite kind of sugary cereal
0: well if he likes sugary cereal that's 60 percent soft 40 percent crunchy that sounds like lucky charms to me 60 percent marshmallow 40 percent should
1: actually sound like fruity pebbles
0: mm, those are all kind of the same level of crunch but okay yeah
1: well you see how you it's about how he
0: gets it to that level of crunch mm, does he not just pour the milk in and wait
1: he does, but he has a very specific
0: ritual. A cereal ritual? Tell me it's not yeah. ice. You lied to me about icy cereal on the coheat episode. <laughs> I did. I did lie to you about icy cereal. And as long as it's
1: not that I can be okay. So he is a big believer in cereal first, milk second, as you should. Mm-hmm. But then you have to let it sit around for exactly a minute before eating it.
0: That's pretty specific.
1: You have to let it soak for a minute to get it to 60% soft and 40% crunchy.
0: Okay, I'm not a cereal eater is there like a time window that he has to eat the cereal within to maintain that ratio throughout i mean obviously it's gonna get soggier as you go i
1: had that same thought i would uh, i would argue that that first bite will be 60 percent soft and 40 percent crunchy but after that you know you're just going in the wrong
0: direction well but maybe it's like an average where like he starts it at that time Mm. so that the most cereal that he eats is Mm. right around that line of best fit
1: maybe he does it one spoon at a time he puts a little cereal on a spoon puts a little milk in it Waits a minute, takes the bite, then does
0: rinse repeat, you know? Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, I could see it.
1: We should do a we should do a video of us trying to eat cereal that way.
0: And see the ratio of crunch to soft. Yeah, yeah. Why did he talk about this?
1: It was in a YouTube video that he ranted about all this in.
0: Interesting. Okay. So he's ranting about cereals. Yeah. He obviously is hated on the raisin brands and the, the whatever else you said, Wheaties or I don't know. The Wheaties. Yeah. yeah. So are there any other cereals that he especially likes or hates? Uh and, I didn't? And, Has he ever punched anyone in the face for picking them up at the supermarket?
1: Well, I don't think anybody's ever picked up Wheaties while they were walking with them. They got lucky. They got lucky.
0: (laughs) Okay, I think I'm going to say this fact is 60% spin, 40% fact. Okay, but does that mean you're locking in spin because there's the higher majority or... Uh, Yeah, I think that would be... Okay. I I think you have blended some truth in there though. Mm,
1: Gotcha. So you think that there's 40% truth buried in this.
0: Yeah, I do think the rant may be credible, but I don't think... He specifically like sits there with a stopwatch for a minute before he can start his balanced breakfast. And I'm not so sure about Fruity Pebbles either. Oh, wow. The Fruity Pebbles. Not sold. Well, I'm not sold. I'm just I'm just saying. Not picking those up in the supermarket. That's kind of a weird favorite cereal, isn't it? No offense, uh, Fruity Pebble lovers out there. You can yabba-dabba do whatever you want. <laughs> that was so fast you came up with that. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. <laughs> well, am, am I about to be annoyed when you say this is true?
1: That all depends on if you let yourself be annoyed because this is a true
0: fact. Oh, my gosh. Wow. He's a sixty forty. guy. Guy. he's a 60 40
1: guy 60 percent soft 40 percent crunchy
0: well this is a bad start for me <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i have this is a great start for me i'm guaranteed at least a 50 50 at this point
0: yeah not my favorite place to be My problem, I think, is that I don't really, like I said, it's not a cereal eater. I used to just eat dry cereal sometimes. Mm. So I'm not familiar with the crunch ratio and the milk soggy. Because the sogginess is a big reason I didn't like it much. The blend of texture is not there. I don't like
1: it. It's not got that mouth feel you're looking for. Yeah. Well, I wonder if this next one has the mouthfeel you're looking for. I don't know. That wasn't really a good transition at all. It wasn't. It wasn't. (laughs) It really doesn't make any sense with what I'm about to tell you. (laughs) You had references to several of my facts here in your uh, intro. You talked about his six Billboard awards i sure did you don't happen to know i'm a little worried about this one you don't you wouldn't happen to know about uh what he did to celebrate that accomplishment do you i don't okay well what i'm about to tell you is he bought six billboards in six cities
0: one for each award
1: uh one city for each award
0: oh so he bought 36 billboards yeah yeah six uh, okay.
1: billboards in each city a total of six cities
0: and so each city had one billboard per award then yes interesting what was on him just like the name of the award and his picture or something just congratulations
1: no no this was a drug awareness campaign thing he did
0: oh okay that's interesting yeah
1: so again I'm not sure how familiar you are with Kendrick Lamar but he's very big about drug addiction and how drugs are bad and promoting mm-hmm you know rehab stuff and yada 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 after he had a bad experience where he smoked some pot at a party that was laced with pcp yeah which is actually a fun fact that i learned his second album you know good kid
0: that you mentioned yeah good kid mad city uh, yeah.
1: The, the yeah mad yeah good kid mad city, the mad m-a-a-d the acronym stands mm-hmm. for my my angels on angel dust and that's a reference to this experience because PCP yes.
0: is known as angel dust that's correct i didn't know it was a reference to anything specific but i did know that an acronym. Yeah. What six cities did he go for?
1: He went for. New York, L.A., Phoenix, Arizona, Las Vegas, Chicago, and Nashville.
0: Oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting selection of cities. Why those in particular? I mean, some like New York, Los Angeles, whatever that makes sense. Yeah. Phoenix, Arizona, kind of okay.
1: Yeah. Well, at the time, those were on a list of top cities with the most cocaine use.
0: Oh, was there any like noticeable effect? Not that that's necessarily a thing you could correlate. I, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. I don't know. How much- <laughs> (laughs) how much money did he spend
1: well it's time to play everybody's second favorite spin a game show guess
0: that dollar amount man my least favorite you do
1: this to yourself every time
0: i know i don't know how much a billboard is i don't know how much a billboard is in any city let alone some of the big ones like that and let alone i mean years ago one hundred fifty thousand dollars. i don't know how long the billboards were even up you're asking me to name a price that's ambiguous that's a good guess okay is it a good guess this close or like just a nice number to guess
1: I, I don't know i don't i don't have a value i just thought that was a good guess i Thank was you. curious what you thought i don't, I don't actually know how much he spent so it may <laughs> have been that yeah it might have been i think that was a good guess that's probably in okay. a ballpark i would have went with
0: oh darn now my only th- i really feel like if you check the notes and you see oh he's won billboard awards let's just make him buy some billboards that totally is the thing you'd do
1: that is totally the thing i would do yeah but did i do it no no kendrick
0: did it i think this is real i think this is a fact. No, it's real. 36 billboards, I guess.
1: Will you guess? Wrong. This oh, is a spin! No.
0: <laughs> I absolutely
1: so full disclosure here, peek behind that curtain, that spin it curtain. I only came this week with three out of my four facts. I really didn't know what to do for a fourth one. And I was listening to you do your little rundown spiel and I heard you say six billboards. And I was like, that could be fun to do something with. Oh man. <laughs>
0: I can't believe it. But you knew all the good Kid Mad City stuff. That was. That was really good. In my, in my research, I had
1: seen about his drug awareness. And that's why I decided that would be what would be on the billboards is because I knew he was big on all the drug awareness campaign stuff.
0: Yeah, he was. And I did a very
1: quick Google to find. And so all those cities I named do have problems. They're like on the top nine cities with heroin, cocaine, and pot use. Mm, that worked out in your favor. So
0: congratulations on a win this week. Let's see if I can salvage a point. We don't even need to do the last one. No, let's see if I can get the stopper. Let's see Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, you okay, gotta yeah, get the softer. Okay. Well, I think we got a good little final ramp here. That gave me a bad mouthfeel, by the way. I didn't
1: <laughs> like that one. <laughs> well, let's see if you can get a better mouthfeel you can't, with... you
0: can't just reuse the same bad transition we already said it sucked for the last fact you can't just do the bad one again but you brought it back up so it's here again what you about to do a transition is what reminded me of how we did the last one my last one for you he had a pet turkey (laughs) Okay. Okay. Another pet on the show. Another pet. Why did he have a pet turkey? That's my first question. (laughs) That's a very interesting animal to, to keep. Yeah,
1: it was on accident. Oh, do tell. It's Thanksgiving related, so that's fun since we're right here in the Thanksgiving time frame.
0: That's right. So having a pet turkey at Thanksgiving sounds like a real problem.
1: Yeah, it turned out to be one.
0: Did he intend to consume this turkey?
1: Turkey? you nailed it yeah he bought this turkey he decided so this was in 2012 by the way typically mm-hmm. like know the time frame he decided that they were gonna do for Thanksgiving. they were gonna do a turkey that like they bought live and had professionally butchered there at his home and prepared that
0: sounds so wild i can't even like fathom <laughs> wanting to do that <laughs> It's like, you know how the president, like, pardons a turkey every year? This is the opposite like of that. It's like the opposite. <laughs> Sentenced this turkey to death in front of us. So, what happened? Did the, the butcher not show? Did they just decide they couldn't follow through with it? Uh, how do you end up with a pet?
1: Uh, Well, when Kendrick saw the turkey and kind of was playing around with it or whatever, messing around with it ahead of time.
0: You're just going to get attached.
1: He absolutely, yeah, because, you know, he had the turkey for, he said, about a week before, oh. before things. Thanksgiving is when it was delivered, so over that course of that week, he got attached to it and decided it would not be his meal.
0: So you know I gotta ask, what did he name the turkey?
1: Ah, I knew you would ask this. His name, Cornrow.
0: Okay, Cornrow the turkey. And what do he do for Thanksgiving in lieu of not having the turkey. Did they get just another pre-dead turkey?
1: I assume, yeah, his uh, chef or whoever was supposed to prepare it, he just said, use another turkey. I don't know.
0: <laughs> how much does a turkey cost if I wanted to do this for some reason? How much would I spend on a turkey and a chef?
1: Oh, Hang on. uh, 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 uh. So this says that it's based off a breed, but generally they cost anywhere from $3 to $20 if you buy them when they're like a chick.
0: Oh, what? what? So you buy the chick when it's...
1: Typically, if you're like buying a turkey because you're going to raise it or whatever and then sell it, like if you're doing this as a market thing, you buy it as a chick and you buy them from $3 to $20 and that the cost of turkey is approximately $1.41 a pound and they weigh... Okay. Between seven and 30 pounds with a domestic turkey on average weighing 20
0: pounds. So you could get a turkey theoretically for like 20 or 30 bucks.
1: Probably about 40 bucks if you go with the average.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's a surprising number to me. Now the chef,
1: that's going to cost you. (laughs) Oh,
0: sure. Yeah. But I'm surprised. And how long does it take? I don't, this is, these are questions we don't need to look into, but like think of how long it must take to butcher a turkey and then cook it. Probably not that long. It already takes long enough to like roast a, a frozen turkey. It's already pre-done. Well,
1: yeah, but you got to let that thaw and everything. I mean, you basically chop its head off, pluck all the feathers out, and you're good to go.
0: I wouldn't say you're good to go. I mean, there's a couple more steps. But right.
1: Okay. Yeah. Get all the guts and entrails out, and then you're good to go.
0: What happened to the turkey? I mean, it didn't get eaten. He kept it. I mean, How to do? What is it alive still? Is it? No,
1: that's why in the fact I said had. Okay. Uh, It sadly passed away in 2016 after four years of life. Did they eat it
0: afterwards?
1: Uh, I doubt its meat was really any good at that point. I mean, it's an old turkey, probably. The meat's not
0: as good, I assume. This sucks. I can't, I can't, I don't know if this is true. You can't. You're right. This is, it's a Thanksgiving episode. So I don't know. That's a good reason for you to shoehorn in a turkey fact. What a ridiculous thing.
1: Sure is. But is it ridiculously true or ridiculously false?
0: I, this has to be a spin. Don't with spin. I guess I'm going to say this is a Thanksgiving spin. Lock it in spin, you sure? You've been wrong three of four times. Just giving you the last second chance. I can't believe this is also for the perfect week for you. But i it's not true. This isn't true. All right.
1: And with that, I have successfully had
0: another...
1: Three out of four week. This is a spin.
0: <laughs> you had me going. I was a little worried. <laughs> I got the stopper.
1: I absolutely Googled Kendrick Lamar Thanksgiving just to see if there was anything related that I could bring. because I knew you wouldn't believe it.
0: Oh, amazing.
1: But nothing popped up, so I had to make my own. And honestly, you know how I got there. You're going to love this. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) I saw his real last name was Duckworth, and I was like, I want to do something with that. But I'm like, if I just say he has a pet duck, he's going to see right through that.
0: 100%.
1: I got to change the bird. So then I was like, okay, change the bird. It's Thanksgiving time. Let's go turkey, and that's what—that's how we got here. That I see. Yeah, the last—the
0: last perfect week happened when you played against Connor. Yes. In the Michael Bublé episode, which for some reason I'm still mad about. The time before <laughs> that, when you played against me—I mean, my last perfect week was episode 41, the Shins. It's been a long time. Good.
1: Let's keep it that way.
0: Well, I'm trying my best to keep it that way this week. <laughs> Anyway,
1: I'll take this as a pretty successful week. Got you for three out of four and had you really thrown through a loop with
0: that last one. You really did. So I think this was a good week. It was. And we'll see you next week for some more of it. Happy Thanksgiving.
1: Until then, let me leave you with a happy Thanksgiving
0: and a classic. Yeah. Perfect. So what we learned this week is that Kendrick Lamar does gobble cereal, but does not gobble turkeys. (laughs) Well, no, he does
1: gobble turkeys.
0: He doesn't keep them as pets. He eats them. Okay, fair point. Kendrick Lamar gobbles, he gobbles and turkey cereal. and cereal, hopefully not at the same time. Does he eat his turkey 60% soft, 40% crunchy? <laughs> That's what I need to know. Let's talk about the album cover. The album cover was designed by Vlad sepatov who also made the album art for Kendrick Lamar's previous two releases to Pimp a Butterfly and Untitled Unmastered. It's Kendrick in front of a brick wall. Nailed it. Yeah, that's that's me describing it to you. <laughs> well it's interesting though is the people have like speculated about it and symbolism and stuff. The M in Damn is kind of positioned above his head in such a way that it uh people thought it looks like devil horns, which may be intentional and it may not. I I don't know. The other thing that I saw when I was researching this, they decided to put that parental advisory sticker in a different place. You'll notice it's not just hiding away down in a corner, They wanted to incorporate it as part of the design and not just an afterthought, so they slid it up a little bit. It's kind of cool. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, In Sepetov's words, the cover is loud and abrasive. He said it's not as political as Butterfly, despite maintaining the same level of energy. And Billboard, one of those billboards that he did not purchase an award for, Billboard said it was one of 2017's best album covers, and they said it was both memeable and memorable. (laughs) Which, I I mean, it is. It got memed and it is remembered.
1: Yeah, it's
0: true. But without further ado, we should jump into the first of 14 tracks on this album. Well, okay, maybe a little further ado. We're past the album art part, but I have a couple other things to say.
1: Oh, okay. Let me know when I'm ready, when it's time for my catchphrase. I was about to do it when you said, well, hang on.
0: You remembered it this week. That's good. (laughs) The first thing that I thought was interesting is literally hours before the album dropped, somebody leaked almost every single track except for Humble, which is interesting. 13 of these songs got leaked, and you know, unlike other albums that had leaks well in advance, this one was so soon they couldn't do anything about it. And the other thing that's cool about this album is that it's designed to be listened to forwards and backwards. Both ways are right, according to Lamar, and they each have a different feel and a different pacing that kind of defines his story in a different light. Yeah. We're going to be talking about it, the forward. From the middle,
1: outward, oh. Oh my gosh.
0: Well, that seems like the wrong way. (laughs) Starting with track six. (laughs) We'll just start from one and go on. But it's interesting to keep in mind as we progress through the album and the story. Just think of how it would work in reverse. Because that's actually when they released the deluxe edition of the album. It doesn't have any other tracks. It's reverse track list and nothing else. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like two albums in one. I saw, I mean, people speculated that there would be a second album that would be blue on the cover and say Nation. So you have like Damn and Nation. But that wasn't the case. People have referred, though, to listening to this album backwards as the Blue Album. Like Weezer. Not quite like Weezer. (laughs) I I don't want anybody to get confused and think that those two are in any way related. They're pretty related. Yeah. But now I think it's time we can start talking about the songs properly. I just wanted to give that little background
1: first up blood uh, i purposely just skipped it that time just to see if you freak out i wanted to see your reaction after you were like oh you remembered i was like well now i'm gonna purposely
0: forget well it's not purposely forgetting if you just choose not to do it that's purposely forgetting whatever you say (laughs) anyway let's spin it all right are we good yes let's talk about blood Let's spin it. Blood is red, made of cells, white and red, found in the veins.
1: Not blue. Actually, it is blue inside, right? Isn't that the Pumps whole deal? Pumps through the
0: heart. No, that's not true.
1: That's why your veins are blue.
0: Literally untrue. Pretty certain it's a fact. No, it's not. The
1: mixtaper told me he never
0: it's- lies. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> blood spent a week at number 54 on the billboard hot 100 when it came out it's a quick little intro to the album that pulls back the curtain on this record really sets the scene it's kind of like a half little skit it's half song half skit yeah the speaker's trying to help a blind woman and get shot in the process it's an interesting critique as is the rest of the album on obedience and weakness and how those attributes are tied to consequences both foreseen and unforeseen, which is why it opens with this is it wickedness, is it weakness? What'd you think of Blood? Having not listened to a Kendrick Lamar song in your life before. That's not true. Oh, it's not true? I thought it was. No? You I just asked if I knew anything about him. Oh, what song did you know?
1: Oh, I don't know the name of it. I'm a horrible at names of songs. How'd it go? Uh <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well that feels- <laughs>
0: It feels like you don't really know. I
1: just know I've listened to Kendrick Lamar because I have a friend who's really into Kendrick Lamar and I've been in the car with them when they've had control of the
0: Oxcord. So
1: I have definitely heard Kendrick Lamar. I just could not tell you the song.
0: Well, there you go. Now you can come back to your friend with all this knowledge. Yeah. In any case, what'd you think of Blood? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to answer the actual question I asked. It was an interesting start. Yeah, I know you're not much of one for the skit type songs.
1: No, I'm not. I really like the music. I really like the weird vocal intro with the is it wickedness, weakness stuff. But yeah, I didn't. just care for him just kind of monologue yeah it was like slam poetry and i wasn't here for it it is it's a little different could you imagine this being the
0: ending of the album (laughs) i always think it would work better that way maybe i'm a fan of the blue album that's what people say see i think people agree that it kind of works better as the end of the album like if you're gonna monologue do it at the end to wind people down after an intense album or something like little wayne (laughs) yeah well there are a couple popular interpretations of the actions in the skit in this story of that monologue some of them are biblical given the albums recurring theme of like being prayed for other people speculate the blind woman could symbolize justice which is like traditionally depicted as blind Uh, but it turns out she's unfair to kendrick in the end after all he hasn't really commented on it and he says he chooses to let the art speak for itself Mm. the song ends with some actual clips of reporters that criticize lyrics from one of his past songs all right which obviously did not sit super well with them Lamar said they took the song and twisted its message, which kind of fits well into this concept of wickedness and consequences, I think. And that takes us pretty smoothly into DNA, the first proper song on the album. Dino DNA. Dino DNA? What? Yeah, you've
1: seen Jurassic Park. I've made you watch it. That's oh. like what Mr. DNA says when he's explaining how they created the dinosaurs.
0: Oh. Dino DNA. <laughs> so this is like an inner bloom moment for you.
1: Yeah, li- yeah, life found a way. Right.
0: I think DNA really blows the doors off this album right away. We kind of had that floaty harmonic start with Blood's intro, and I think DNA just hits you like a ton of bricks. It debuted at number four on the Billboard Hot 100, and it spent 20 weeks on the charts. By May of 2018, within a year, it was certified three times platinum. And a fun fact for you, Mr. Marvel Cinematic Universe guy, Don Cheadle co-stars in the music video for this song.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I know Don Cheadle for more than just the MCU, but you don't.
0: I don't. But what I do know is that Don Cheadle was actually the inspiration for Kendrick's alias Kung Fu Kenny. Because Don Cheadle played a Kung Fu artist named Kenny in one of his older movies. And it was so insignificant that Cheadle actually forgot he played the role. And when Kendrick said, hey, you inspired me on that, he was like, oh. (laughs) I had no clue. (laughs) So a lot of this song is structured around what he's got in his DNA. And I think uh, there's just some great lines in here, both in content and in meter, right? He's got power, poison, pain, and joy inside my DNA. Like, that's just got such a good flow to it. And it really doesn't end. The majority of the song is kind of one long verse but I kind of love it because that little bass hook he's got going on is really just perfect for it.
1: Yeah, it did start off uh, on a sour note. Really? What didn't you like about the start? Just the, I got, I got, I got, I was like, we had like a record skipping going on. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Again, we had monologue right into record skip. I'm just like, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. But once we got past that, um, I was I was all good. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's fair. I like it, personally. I think it's an interesting way to start this song that catches your ear.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of really good uh, lyrics in here. It's true. He's decent at c-
0: tackling something from multiple angles in his songs. Right? I know. So in the bridge, he pulls from that same news clip he used in Blood, which so far I think makes things feel really cohesive, like this is a continuation of that which is really cool because I think it implies that whether he's wicked or obedient like that first line in blood it's something that's a part of his DNA it's something that's so like deeply entrenched within him that you know the consequences that come are going to come the second half of the song is also really wild Kendrick recorded his part a cappella. No instruments. And then he had the producers build the beat around it. Producer Mike Wilmaid said he wanted it to sound like Kendrick was battling the beat, which is an effect kind of achieved in part by this really, really aggressive repeating of the line, Gimme Some Ganja, which was sampled from a Rick James concert. Really? Yeah. What do you think about the production on this? Was it repetitive? Did it feel repetitive because it, no. it didn't? Because it's just that same hook the whole time.
1: No, it really didn't.
0: Good. I'm glad.
1: Yeah, but I was so focused on the lyrics. This was an example of a a rap song that the music's just there to be a backdrop for the bars he's slinging as the kids say is that what the kids say <laughs>
0: yeah yeah slinging fat bars fat with a ph and a z uh, i don't think that's how the kids say it. <laughs> The song's final assertion is sex, money, murder is our DNA. And I think that's such an interesting line. I think it feels a little hollow, but I think it's meant to. We kind of go on this journey from royalty to coke dealing, from like being a savior of hip hop to killing in the streets. Like all of our highs and our lows are just distilled down to these really simplistic points. Yeah. It's just like a very pointed understatement. And I like that a lot. And
1: I think that that serves as a better end to the album than as a start, right? rather that be the like summary of everything we heard rather than the here's the like introductory paragraph that's like, going to outline what we talk about on the rest of the album. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, I, I like it better as an ending. So again, I think I'm a fan of the blue version, the blue uh-huh. album.
0: Weezer. I'm a fan of the Weezer version. I, give us the Weezer <laughs> cut. Kendrick Lamar's damn Weezer's version. I hate it. <laughs> Don't say that too loud or Weezer will actually cover this. Nobody <laughs> tell Rivers. Well, track three on the normal red version of the album is yaw. Nah. No, not Meh, ya. Oh. (laughs) This is an interesting song. It's a a big departure, stylistically. After that wild beat battling of DNA, I think ya feels a little exhausted. It's kind of lethargic. Like, the chorus says that Kendrick's radar is buzzing, and it just kind of gives me the sense that he's fatigued from always being on edge all the time, always having to be aware and watch his back. You know, he's got theories and suspicions. He's working himself to death. He's got interviews that want to know his thoughts and opinions. Like, that all kind of reinforces, to me, this idea that he's just burnt out on ya. I wasn't as big a fan of the chorus on this one. No, you didn't like radars buzzing. Ya, 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 ya. You
1: asked me if the last one got repetitive? This one. I could only hear the word, him go, "yah yah" so many times before I was ready to just end it all.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Well, that's because I think this one's lyrically repetitive, whereas the other one was just sonically repetitive. And Yah has a lot more varied instrumentals. The song's title is a reference to the Hebrew name of God, Yahweh, and there are a couple other deep-cut biblical metaphors throughout the song that I think really help push this album to a deeper place of introspection. Like, this stuff is what I'm experiencing in the external world around me, but here's how it's playing out for me internally and how I'm, like, struggling on a deeper level. It's interesting because it's, like, covert. It's not right out there in the open. I have a question. What's that? More of a pop quiz. Oh, pop quiz, okay.
1: Well, you know, when listening to this song, there was one lyric that really stood out to me. Okay. (laughs) And that was the fact that there was the word Deuteronomy in
0: this song. Yeah.
1: You know what Deuteronomy is?
0: Yes, it is a book of the Bible. Cheater. I... (laughs) Did not cheat. <laughs> I feel like that's pretty like not common, common knowledge. Whoa, but it's whoa, out whoa, there.
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I mean, if you had if you at all know anything about religion, you probably
0: knew the answer to that, but you well, know, I didn't. Well, there you go.
1: But yeah, it uh oh, it's Old Testament. Like he 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 hit it way back.
0: It's one of the first five. And actually that's kind of if you listen to the album. It's also in the book of Torah, actually. Yes. Which is the first five of the Old Testament of the Bible, Yeah. Oh, okay. If you listen to the album in this direction, it's kind of a foreshadowing of some stuff that we hear on fear where kendrick's cousin carl kind of gives a little bit of a sermon if you listen to the album in reverse order then this is a nice callback to that
1: and i think it works better that way just saying imagine listening to this before dna
0: i know well look he says my cousin carl duckworth said weezer. no my worth
1: weezer i think he does deserve the spin it weezer award <laughs>
0: For the blue album mm. up next is track number four element
1: he's an all away from being sherlock holmes or watson i don't know i don't know which one i would make him what i said he's an all away from being sherlock holmes
0: he's an all away yeah Do you think Sherlock Holmes' catchphrase is elemental? It's elemental, dear Watson. No. No, it's elementary. No,
1: no, it it is elementary. Darn. Okay. He's an a re away from being.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think you might be an a re away too. (laughs) Element is Kendrick's assertion that he's the greatest rapper alive. He's kind of owned that moniker that other people have given him. Uh, He he does this as he details all the struggles and the sacrifices he's gone through to climb to the top. And he challenges everyone to kind of do something about it. You know, take me out of my element. But you can't. This is the first time we hear the album's alternate title, What Happens on Earth Stays on Earth. Yes. The first verse kind of details his journey, right? I'm willing to die for it, kill for it, cry for it. Like, this hasn't been easy. It's been a struggle. But that's how you know that I'm committed to being the best. Because even though it hasn't been easy, I've still put it all on the line. Which I really like. I mean, that's some swagger. That's some attitude right there. Yeah. And in the chorus, he says everything he does, he makes it look sexy. He's always in his element. He's always on his game. Which... Honestly, I'm going to say the thing that you've been saying would work way better before the burnout on y'all.
1: Uh-huh. Put it
0: backwards. I'm just telling you. And I love this third verse, too, where people conflate Kendrick's life on TV with who he really is. They kind of get that parasocial thing going on. And he says, that's not the real me. Especially the second half of that, right? Most of y'all ain't real. Most of y'all going to squeal. Most of y'all just envy, but jealousy get you killed. It's, it's pretty good. I like Element, and I also really like some of the production here with that floaty piano. In the background of some of the choruses.
1: I agree. Yeah, I like the... There's just
0: a lot going on from a production side on this song and on this album in general. It's a very musical album.
1: Yeah, and it's another really good
0: song example of him kind of having multiple angles or meanings behind some of his lyrics. Absolutely. The next song on the album is Feel. And this is the point where I started to really like appreciate the one word titles. I just, in my notes, I put Mm. that note here. I think it's a perfect way to tell us what each track is about without beating around the bush and kind of weighing the album down. It's really simple little just flashes of imagery and emotion. I think Feel is one of the most personal songs on this album, uh, Duckworth notwithstanding. But to say, <laughs> we got Duckworth here. <laughs> I know, and we'll get there. But, but Feel is especially personal. Most of these lines take on a similar structure, you know, I feel like this, I feel like that, I feel like this and that. And as we go down the list, we kind of revisit these ideas, right, that nobody's praying for him, that he feels like nobody cares, that the family's been faking, and at the same time, he feels this need to further isolate himself, like nobody is pursuing him, but also he wants to be farther away. And that loneliness is tackled kind of not with a weariness like we saw in YAH, but with a fury and a vigor that I think we really haven't tapped into yet. We kind of get some of the energy on DNA, but it's not the edge. You really get to understand how he feels. Yeah, right. Exactly. I think the coupling of the repetitive lyric structure with the music, as punchy as it is, I think that really emphasizes his frustration. You know, he says, like, I feel like the whole world wants me to pray for them, but who's praying for me? And that's a, a really interesting feeling.
1: Also, Nessie's back. Nessie's back. Yeah. I can, I can put a regime that forms a Loch Ness definitely not the first time that we've
0: encountered Loch Ness on this podcast no because cryptid hunter Maria Brink (laughs) tried to catch Nessie uh-huh. <laughs> didn't try, but the mixtaper at least said she did. Uh, allegedly. Right. I like feel. Feels a great personal turn. Up next is probably one of the most widely popular songs on this album. Definitely one of the bigger ones. Loyalty featuring Rihanna. Mm-hmm. The intro starts with a sample taken from Mr. Talkbox as he performed on Bruno Mars' 24-karat Magic, which is the album that beat out Damn for Album of the Year at the Grammys that year. So it's interesting that there's a little piece of it here yeah now this transition here from feel to loyalty is one point where i think the forward play of the album really stands out and shines like after we lament about not having anyone and feeling alone or abandoned this song is all about how we should still value loyalty and community and need people to trust and hold on to
1: but imagine it the other way where he's talking about how important loyalty is and then watches people fade away and then watches people fade away (laughs) Give me the wheezer. I'm wheezing over here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're all about the blue album. I can I can hear it and I can tell. And honestly, I am too. And I've never listened to the album backwards like that, but I should. Learning about it and listening to it again really makes me want to. So Kendrick sings the first verse and he talks about how he dedicates his life and his music to not building his own legacy, but to giving a voice to people and to problems that other people aren't or can't talk about. You know, he's loyal to the causes he supports and the communities he's a part of. And then Rihanna comes in during the second verse and other choruses throughout. It's actually the first time she's worked with kendrick lamar wow the fourth verse is where we start to explore loyalty as a concept tell me who you're loyal to is it money is it fame is it weed is it drink like what are you committed and devoted to and is your loyalty dependent on the situation you're in or is it unconditional the song asks a lot of questions it does. What do you think about it musically?
1: Again, I, I I think this had one of the more whole sound musical tracks. Some of them are more like, I said, stripped back, more just kind of like window dressing or backdrop for his rapping. This one felt like it had more of a sound to it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I think there are very few window dressing tracks on this.
1: I said window dressing mainly because I couldn't remember the word
0: backdrop. <laughs> I mean, potato, potato.
1: Now, to me, I think the music does on rap albums. I feel like if it's going to be a very word heavy track the music becomes simpler and if it's a less word heavy track where there's just more like a lot of repetitiveness
0: loyalty loyalty, loyalty.
1: yeah 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 it, it gets beefed up with music that's, That's kind of like the theme of the rap style.
0: I think you're right. Which is really
1: funny because like Kanye West like didn't do that at all. All of his tracks really went big with the trumpets and the horns. And I just keep telling him to take notes because I hated it. Yeah,
0: I know. <laughs> You've come a long way, though. We've covered a couple rap albums since then. I have
1: come a long way.
0: I'm, I'm exposing you. I think a lot of this album is really wordy, but a lot of these songs are also like exceptionally musical.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not saying they're not musical. I'm just saying they're more stripped back to better let the lyrics shine.
0: Some are, for sure. We've got some rap albums lined up that are not as musical, almost not the same genre, and those are interesting for sure. Yeah. The next song on the album is Pride, and it's another excellent example of thoughtful track placement, both forward and in reverse. Pride and Humble go back to back, and they both kind of explore the two extremes of that emotional range. When they made the songs, they intentionally made Pride the more laid-back, softer-spoken beat, while Humble is really in your face, as we'll get to in a minute. As the saying goes, pride comes before the fall, right? So this song examines Kendrick's fame and his success through the lens of his own pride. Flesh making, spirit breaking, which one would you lessen? The better part, the human heart, you love them or dissect them. I love that lyric. I mean, certified poetry on that. It's I right. I... No, I'm kidding. It's good.
1: It's good. I'll take an (laughs) I from you sometimes. What's
0: interesting is like throughout this whole song, to me, it feels kind of like he wants to grapple with his pride, but he's having a hard time keeping it under control. He says lines like, I wasn't Mm -hmm. taught to share, but care. In a perfect world, I would be perfect I don't love people enough to put my faith in man. I put my faith in these lyrics. You know, he talks about his feelings going numb. It just feels like he's in his own way all the way throughout Pride, which is kind of what Pride is all about, right? Just being so full of yourself that you do it to your own detriment. True. And another fun fact, uh, Pride briefly samples the song Echoes by Pink Floyd. Oh. Yeah, another spin cycle reference. So we go from the soft-spoken Pride into the much bigger, grander Humble. Which
1: is ironic, I think, that Pride is not the big grand one and Humble isn't the more la- like reserved one. Yeah,
0: it's definitely a really cool choice. Humble is not as its title would have you believe. It's not a confession of nor an attempt to be humble. It's a charge to all these people around him to sit down and be humble because they don't deserve all the hubris that they project, right? They're not as great as they think they are. So they need to step back.
1: And if you were doing this the Weezer way, you would realize he calls out all these people and then immediately self-reflects and goes, but I've got pride problems too.
0: Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yep. Humble is the one song, like I said, that didn't leak, interesting, and it's the best performing song on the album, one of the best of Kendrick's career. It debuted at number two on the Billboard Hot 100, which made it Kendrick's highest placement ever, and it was the highest placement for a rap song since Eminem in 2010. When it peaked at number one a month later, it became Kendrick's first solo number one song. Interesting. Yeah, it is. Humble is driven by this really weighty, really beefy piano hook and a deep bass. I think it's a very unique sound, not just for this album, but also, I think, for Kendrick's entire discography to this point, which you don't know about.
1: I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah.
0: What did you think of it? Was it a memorable moment? Did it stand out like the best song on this album in any way
1: it would not be my pick for best song spoiler alert but Ooh. it did stand out
0: and it was good i liked it. i can see why people like it did it get repetitive at all especially at the end no where we just get onto the hold up be humble well, well
1: maybe the end overstated it's welcome a little but the rest of it was fun well that's good yeah
0: this is another example where the music is repetitive but the the words are just so much Mm-hmm. and the, they just provide this nice
1: backdrop that Keeps you kind of nodding your head as you're just listening to them. Lay down them fat with a Z bars. He's slinging those fat Z bars. Fat with a
0: Z? Where Where'd you put the Z in fat? You're really—that's well, what I said earlier. I said it was a fat with a pH and a Z. I thought the bar had a Z.
1: No, 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 no. It was supposed to be fat with a pH and a Z. Sure. They're fat bars. Yeah. Hey, James. Yeah. What? I need some water. Okay.
0: Because something came over me. <laughs> I see. You're you're pushing forward into Lust.
1: There we go. I had to give you another one.
0: <laughs> oh, I wasn't ready. I thought you were just actually about to go, like, refill your water bottle or something. Oh. I, like, I can wait. <laughs> go for it. I get it now. Yeah, Lust is the next track on the album, and this song is all about kind of being in a rut, like John Mayer. Um, It's about <laughs> living the same kind of repetitive cycle day after day. You know what the best part about this song was? What's that? It features Rat Boy! It does. It features Rat Boy. I
1: don't know anything. I don't, I don't know anything about Rat Boy, but I just like the name Rat boy
0: uh, Fair and understandable. In this song, uh, Kendrick takes on a couple different points of view to emphasize how everybody has something that they lust after, something they really want and they really crave. But it also kind of explores how little people are willing to make changes to satisfy that and reach out and take what they want. And uh, in a certain sense, I think it's about how people indulge in life and lust after unproductive things to make themselves feel good, which gets them stuck in that rut. He pulls it off through metaphors of being thirsty right needing some water like connor does <laughs> craving things like a junkie and through sex he says yeah yeah
1: i really like the way he says i need some water too he does it a couple of times throughout the song but this they like there's a vocal effect and the, the music kind of stops for a second and he just
0: goes i need some water yeah the beat behind it dies down for a split second which really makes that pop i like it pop like some boiling water yeah it kind of makes the need for water feel a little more urgent actually yeah it does And I love, there's this backhanded irony to the line, whatever you're doing, just make it count in these contexts. Because... These people that he's describing are decidedly not doing that. They're not making it count. You know, in the second verse, it takes on an even more apathetic tone. It's whatever. Just make it count. Like, the things that you do don't even matter. It's fascinating. And the bridge is really interesting on the song, too. He says, lately, I feel like I've been lusting over fame. Lately, we lust on the same routine of shame. Lately, this and lately, that. And he says, brace yourself. Lust is all yours. Like, this is your burden. This is your responsibility that you have brought this on yourself so the only person who could take ownership over that and turn your life around into something that actually counts is you and yeah that that rap boy sample i want to go back to that rap boy is an english musician he was just 21 when this album came out and he didn't even realize that he was on this album until it released <laughs> the song came out and rap boy was like whoa that's me I mean, can you imagine?
1: Yeah, that is weird. Didn't that happen to somebody else? Oh, no, they happened that they thought they were on it, and then they went and bought it, and they had been replaced.
0: Uh, No, it happened exactly to somebody else. The great gig in the sky, Pink Floyd, where... She thought her vocal was no good, and they used it. And then she bought the record and was like, whoa, that's me. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I did have it back. Okay.
0: You had it for... You were were doing the Weezer cut. Yeah, I did the Weezer cut. I Weezered it. Get Weezered. (laughs) And after Lust, another you know slam dunk back to back as we move from lust into love which is the more sincere and sacrificial of the two emotions
1: which again i think makes more sense the other way around as Uh, love
0: deteriorates into lust again Uh it doesn't make more sense it just makes different sense
1: no i think it does it makes better sense
0: Mm, that's an assertion i don't know
1: maybe not more but better
0: fair enough love is this very synth-driven song, really airy and floaty, and it's anchored by this chorus done by Zachary. Give me a run for my money, just love me. Like, challenge me, push me to be better, just love me sincerely. And I really like that. Love me. Yeah, (laughs) just like that. Here's a weird fact that I swear I didn't plan, but I found really interesting. Zachary actually got his musical start playing covers of John Mayer's songs. Oh.
1: What are the odds? I don't know anything about Zachary. I mean, me either. He gets the Connor Award for the artist uh, feature
0: that I'm most interested in learning more about. From this album. Okay. Not Rat Boy. Yeah. Not Rihanna. Not you 2 The Rat Boy was cool, but I'm interested to know more about Zachary. Okay. I forgot we do that sometimes. We go a while in between features it's mainly on the rap albums where there's a ton of features yeah that's really cool (laughs) rap boy was a close second kendrick's verse is once again a little questioning you know a little insecure like would you love me unconditionally even if i didn't meet this standard or do that thing it kind of mirrors themes that we saw on feel and loyalty and that we talked about last week not myself
1: you're right that
0: john mayer classic not myself and it's likely that a lot of inspiration for love came from Kendrick's partner. He got engaged to his high school sweetheart back in 2016. Yeah. A year before this came out. That's so sweet. Isn't it? I don't have a lot to say about love from a lyrical standpoint, but I do think it's really sweet, really vulnerable. It's nice tender look into this very foundational desire to be loved. Songs like Loyalty, I think kind of hit this with more of an edge, but I like how wide open this one is. I don't know.
1: I really like the lyrics on this one. I like the lyrics. I liked the the love me part.
0: I like love. Love was a fast favorite for me. One of my quick favorites from this album. I liked Love a lot too. Hmm. Maybe it'll end up on a playlist. Maybe not. Love was like, love me. And I said, okay. And I said, I will. Sure. Why not? (laughs) Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad it spoke to you in some superficial way. (laughs) Up next. next. Well, take oh, take it. I've done all of them.
1: That is not true. It's not true. I hit us with that brilliant water transition.
0: Mm, you did. I've noticed, yeah, we've kind of backed off the transitions. We kind of realized we were bad at them, and they faded away.
1: I don't think we've ever really backed off. I just think they come in natural waves. Oh, yeah. I liked this one a lot too lyrically, but musically, it was one of my least favorites, I think.
0: Which one? XXX? Did you move on? Oh, I
1: did move on. I forgot to say the title.
0: <laughs> you were going to transition.
1: Well, you, <laughs> you, you complained about the transition. So I thought I'd just jump right into the analysis. You know? Well, no the transition. next song is XXX.
0: <laughs> triple X featuring U two. The music is is very different on this one.
1: Yeah, I just didn't care for it, and some of the singing style wasn't my favorite. But verse one, I just really like verse one where he's like, throw a stake off the ark to a pool full of sharks,
0: he'll take it. Mm-hmm.
1: And then he's like, leave him in the wilderness with a sworn nemesis, he'll make it.
0: Yeah, I do love it. It's this weird backbeat kind of sound. On working with U two, Kendrick said we had a different record we were supposed to be doing together. He sent it over. I laid some ideas to it. And and we didn't know where it was going, so I just happened to have an album coming out and I asked Bono, Would you do me this honor of letting me use this record? He said Bono was open to it. So that's where this comes from. It's kind of a weird half U2 song. It's very cool, it's different, it's wobbly. It's kind of, I mean, not particularly U2y in most places until you get to the actual parts that U2 is on the bridge where Bono is. It's a critique of the country.
1: Yeah, it's very real political in this it, towards the end.
0: Absolutely, this is probably the most political song on the album, which is, I mean, a huge step down from the political side of "To Pimp a Butterfly." But I mean, obviously that element to his music is still very present he talks about a country that implicitly encourages kids to drop out of school in a justice system that takes the life of someone's son and the grieving father asks kendrick to pray for him remember that line earlier on the album listening this way where he said everybody wants me to pray for them but nobody's praying for me this is what that reminded me of yeah yeah kendrick says that this song represents complete yet organized madness and that really comes to fruition just before bono's chorus after that things really pull way way back and kind of feels like an after the storm moment feels like all the damage has been done by the time we get to that i don't know i, I think the production is one of the coolest parts of the song it's glitchy and it's kind of wild and i think it's really great at keeping this song varied and captivating i like it it's got a strange mouth feel <laughs> but it's pretty good <laughs>
1: You know, it had a really interesting
0: mouthfeel. Your cereal this morning?
1: I was going to say Fear,
0: but yeah. Fear. Yeah, Fear is the next song on the album, and it's a cool one. It had
1: the coolest bridge especially because when I listened to it, I had no idea that it was meant to be played forward or backwards, like track list. Yeah. In this song in the bridge, you know, he sings it forward. And then all of a sudden he sings all the words. He sings like the lines backwards. Yeah.
0: There's this weird reversed effect on it. And part of that, is the way that this song is like structured, this song specifically, because it walks us through these feelings of fear that Kendrick experiences at three different stages in his life. First at seven, then at 17, and then at 27, respectively. This is the song. See, it starts with a little sample from a song by 24 Karat Black. It's called Poverty's Paradise. And then it takes the form of a voicemail, like we talked about way up earlier on the album. Kendrick's cousin Carl Duckworth delivers this little sermon from Deuteronomy that calls back to a lot of earlier themes about wickedness and about choice and consequences and then that's the part where we move into the why do I have to suffer and the reverse section some people have suggested that it represents time travel back to his days as a kid Mm. and if you think that I mean I want you to put this in the context of the blue album this is him growing up from 7 to 17 to 27 this song is like the time progressing montage if you go in reverse reverse order which then leads us into all of his adult emotions on tracks 11 through 1
1: yeah I just also thought it was interesting that a big chunk of this song is him going why God, why God, why you gotta suffer, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the next song, which would have come before this on the Weezer cut, is him talking all about, you know, it's literally called God. Yeah, about how he's on top of the world and stuff. Yeah, and then it goes from,
0: again, that uh, take it to my downfall scenario of I was on top of the world and now I've fallen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a huge, in that order, a huge revelation to go from like, oh, I'm God, I'm on top of the world, to like begging God, really removing yourself from that position. Mm -hmm. It's significant. The progression of fear is really interesting too. When he's seven, at the start of the song, he's afraid to get in trouble and get beat. He's got to do right by his mom who hits him with this very long list of you better nots and says you'll be afraid of me if you don't fear no one else. Then we time jump again to 17. He's worried he'll die young. I'll probably die anonymous, die with promises. He lists all these times and places and reasons he could suddenly be killed and that's a lot weighing on him as a teenager and finally at 27 he is afraid of himself and all of his success what if he's not good enough he starts grappling with denial and success and how it's impacted his life he says is God playing a joke on me is it for the moment and will he see me as Job take it from me and leave me worse than I was before he's afraid of losing everything and being judged and it's a lot and verse 4 is maybe one of the best lyrical stretches on this album when you take into account the themes of the album as a whole. Because verse 4 weaves together all these things we've covered under one umbrella of fear. DNA, humility, love, wickedness or weakness, fear that what's happening on earth stays on earth and nothing really matters. He says... I can't take these feelings with me, so hopefully they disperse within 14 tracks, carried out over wax, wondering if I'm living through fear or living through rap. I mean, that is probably the best line on the album.
1: (laughs) Again, because I talked about how DNA kind of was a better close than a opener yeah i think fear is the better opening paragraph than the closing paragraph right because over these 14 tracks he's hoping he can express the, these things and deal with them and learn from them and so it's like that's like your like that's his thesis statement that's the thesis statement for his opening paragraph was like here's all the things i'm about to talk about and i'm i'm all for the weezer way over here
0: uh-huh you seem to be all in on it well the next track like we kind of already alluded to oh,
1: we already kind of talked about it a little bit
0: yeah is god it was one of the last songs made for the record he had a hook in mind but he had to play around with a lot of different beats until he found the one that fit just right Well, like you mentioned earlier, this song is Kendrick taking stock of all his successes and the good things in his life. And yeah, comparing it to how God must feel like. The first verse is really indulgent, reveling in all the stuff he's done, how far he's come. The second verse is kind of this interesting opportunity to humble him a little bit, kind of reminding him that he's not God, everyone is mortal, and it's all fleeting.
1: Kind of showing the cracks in the facade that would show up on on fear.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Now, if you're curious, and I was curious, the line, work at JT, that he repeats throughout the verse, is taken from a 1991 movie called The Five Heartbeats. The Five
1: Heartbeats. Have
0: you seen The Five Heartbeats? Do you know that? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. I I didn't know that. Did you
1: notice that he uses it five times?
0: No, I didn't.
1: Yeah, he uses the phrase uh, five times. Each one a heartbeat.
0: Now, the last track, or the first track, depending on how you look at it, is Duckworth, and I think this is the strongest... Starting an album
1: with a track that's your last name, I'm just saying. I know.
0: This is actually the strongest argument for the reverse album theory, in my opinion. I don't know. I think I had some pretty good arguments. Uh, You do. You do. But listen. I I think my best argument was... Why not? Why not? It's a great argument, sure. Even in the intro here, he says we're going to put it in reverse, which kind of clues you in to the fact that it's supposed to be backwards. But also, this song is a real-life story that follows Kendrick's father, Ducky, and the future founder of Top Dog Entertainment, Anthony Tiffith. Top Dog Tiffith is planning to rob the KFC where Ducky works... But thanks to Ducky's kindness, it led not only to his own life being spared, but it also opened up the pathway that led Kendrick to where he is today. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of this origin story for Kendrick Lamar. So this song is just kind of this reverence for where he came from and the coincidences that got him there. It samples a 1978 Ted Taylor song called Be Ever Wonderful and a few other songs. Some are as new as 2015. Kind of a wide range of sounds and influences on Duckworth. This
1: was not a limited edition this was an origin story what is that quote it's from a glass What's Glass? It's the 2019 M. Night uh, Shyamalan uh, sequel to Unbreakable and Split. Oh. It was a really cheesy line that I loved. (laughs) (laughs) Nice.
0: Yeah, it is basically an origin story. And the last bit of this track does really, really bring the album full circle as he comes back to I was taking a walk the other day, just like on Blood.
1: Or kicks it off.
0: Or kicks it off, yeah. And uh, kicking it off would be a great sensation. Think about that. Because he says, I was just taking a walk the other day. And that would really kind of imply that all of this stuff is happening in his head as he's walking.
1: He's like reliving it all or whatever. And
0: then when we get to blood, we hit this sudden stop. He just dies yeah. in a gunfight, just totally unexpectedly. Like he's just lost in his head, yeah. reliving his life, reminiscing. And then it's such a, such a sharp ending, such a, a, a brick wall of a halt. Which is interesting because the album cover, Brick Wall, well, I guess uh, it's probably time for final spin yeah let's let's i won't say you it. almost said it you almost, I almost said, said it, it. <laughs> wow maybe we should have done final spin at the beginning on the weezer cut of this episode you'll find final spin at the beginning
1: oh fun fact audience what you didn't realize we did was this episode was meant to be listened to forward
0: or backwards so uh. <laughs> yeah imagine so as for music on this album I think there's a lot to like. Kendrick's always been a very musically inclined rapper.
1: The best kind of rapper.
0: I like a lot of the music on this album. I think it drives really well, and it does provide a good backdrop for his rapping and his lyrics when he needs it to, but it can carry its own weight when it is kind of forced to. Some interesting decisions on here between stuff like XXX and loyalty and humble. I don't know. There's just kind of some stuff that's all over the place, but not in a bad way. In a way that I really like. Given music in 88, honestly, my lyric score is probably a little low. I think there are so many incredible lyrics on this album. A lot of really poignant, incisive stuff. A lot of personal lyrics that are really cool. And honestly, probably a lot of lyrics that are just lost on me because I haven't done the proper diligence and like research them or done deep digging into them. But overall, I love the story this album tells. I love the attitude it has. And I also love just the concept of the reverse thing. Very interesting. Given an 86... Instruments of production, I think, is really well produced in a lot of spots. It's just interesting that a lot of these songs do just kind of repeat the same background instrumentals over and over. And coupled with the lyrics, it really doesn't matter. But just to isolate instruments of productions and look at that, I do think the instruments of production here get about an 82 And the overall vibe, this is a tight album. I like it so much. He does really sling some fat bars, as Connor says the kids say. Fat with a P-H and a Z. Right. Just the front to back is genius. The album is put together so well. One of the best constructed albums, regardless of content. One of the best constructed albums I think we've seen. So I'm giving the overall vibe a 91. I like it a lot. The overall score for this album is an 88.4, which puts it at number 131 on the list. Oh, my playlist pick. What's your playlist pick? Maybe up in the air depending on what you pick. Ooh, okay. I don't know. I, I kind of like to get yours first.
1: We'll rap about it after I tell you my, my stuff. See what I did there? So, in honor of the Almighty Weezer cut, I think I will give you my top three in reverse album. Room. Okay. In the way the album should have been. In Weezer order Love featuring Zachary. Nice.
0: Lust. Well, back-to-back.
1: Back. My carnival mention going to Humble.
0: Ooh, sit
1: down. And... My last one, Go Into Loyalty featuring Rihanna.
0: Wow. So you took a lot of the big songs from this album. Nothing from the earlier half, which is interesting.
1: The the latter half of this album is not that good.
0: The uh, the latter half of the Weezer cut or of the normal? Right.
1: Yes. No. Yeah. Of the Weezer cut. Okay. Okay. Hence why nothing was taken from it.
0: Sure. And what's your playlist pick out of those songs?
1: Ooh.
0: Guess. I think you're taking Love.
1: Hey, choose Love. That's another pop culture reference. I'm
0: choosing Love. Okay, I thought... It's like, do you want me to pick Love because you're not? Okay, Love is a good pick for the playlist. Like I said, it was one of my fast favorites from this album. And, okay, no surprise for me, coming from you, it is one of the least hip hoppy songs on this album. Yeah, it's true. I do like it a lot, though. I think my playlist pick... Oh, it's so hard. What are you between? I really like DNA. I really like Element. And for the playlist... I think I'm gonna take DNA.
1: Dino DNA. Life yeah. found a way onto our playlist again.
0: I figure if you listen to the album forward, it's the one that blows the doors off the album. Like I said, if you listen to the album backwards, it's the it's the record's epic conclusion. In
1: the proper way. Yeah.
0: So I think we'll take DNA and love.
1: You're right. I said the latter half of the album wasn't very good, but DNA was good.
0: Yeah, there's probably more there than you're giving it credit for. As for my score, I'm curious about this. Well, here's my dilemma,
1: right? I'd have a different score for the album. In reverse. Yeah, in reverse than I do going forward. So the Weezer cut... Would have gotten a nine from me.
0: Wow. Okay, that's and that's...
1: so because we have to reverse it, the normal cut's
0: getting a six. Is that <laughs> is that really what you would score it?
1: A six? Yeah, that's really what I was scored. I said the nine thing just to set it up. Uh, okay. Okay. So it
0: really wouldn't be a nine. Maybe who knows?
1: Uh, well, yeah, probably not. But it'd be it'd be higher. It definitely would be higher.
0: I agree with that. The reverse order seems better by everything that I can think of. All the metrics. So yeah, this one's getting a six from me. 6 mouth feels out of 10 to be exact nice Sounds good. 60% like, 40% dislike. Kind of. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think, you, I think you nailed it. 60% like, 40% dislike. Okay. Now I have a question for you. I've got an answer for you. We've already obviously awarded the titles of Best Rap. You gave Best Rap to Jean-Baptiste. Yep. We've got Best Rap City going to George Gershwin. And we've got Best Rap to end an album to American Idiot and What's-Her-Name. Can I propose that since this is an album meant to be listened to in reverse, Damn Should Get the Best Par?
1: Oh, the best par instead of the best Weezer? Instead of the best rap. Yeah. I like that par. That's very clever. Uh, And, you know, Weezer got enough love this
0: episode. They don't need an award. Weezer got probably more love in this episode than they did on the Blue Album episode.
1: (laughs) This was Blue Album Redemption. Sure.
0: But uh, with that...
1: Tell them about all of our socials and things, because I got the website right, but I can't promise
0: to get anything else. Well, that's understandable. If you're looking for more Spin It, that's us. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, which is here. And you can also find us on Twitter at spinitpod, on Twitch at spinitpod, on Instagram at spinitpod official, and at www.spinitpod.com. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Um, make sure if you order a turkey, you either kill it or keep it as a pet. And make sure you come back next week to see what we're doing next. It'll be the first week in December. That's exciting. Ooh, getting close to Spencer Wonderland territory. We're getting close. And with that, keep spinning. Keep spinning.
1: I am a turkey
0: bird. We got so far. You only did it once. Stop. Life. Stop. Oh, should I let you do it? Uh, just get it out of your I'm system. To a party. Wait, do you think Kendrick Lamar's ever water. sang that song?
1: And they will present me with a pop up thermometer.
0: Come on, come on, come on. If you play that song backwards, it's about a zombie turkey. Oh, you're right. It is. Should we make it so we can listen to this episode backwards, actually? How so? I don't know. Uh, welcome to Spin It, everybody. I'm James, and with me is Connor. We're doing things backwards this week. Let's spin it! (laughs) Sure, that works.